0: Well, the year of turnaround, uh, it, I guess it really depends on who you turn to, doesn't it? There's all kinds of things in the world we can turn to these days, but if you want the kind of turnaround that God's spirit has been dealing with me about and us about, I believe we're going to have to turn to God. He is the source of our turnaround this year. Romans 8:14 says, "For all who are led." By the Spirit of God or children of God? I guess the operable word in that sentence would be led. Will you be led by God this year? What's leading you in your life right now? Is it your job? Is it your passions? Is it your hobbies? What is leading you in your life right now? Have you put God first? That's the identifier of a Christian They're the ones being led by God, by the Spirit of God. How important is the Spirit of God in your life? Are you following God's Spirit? That's how you know you're a Christian. That's your identifier. People can look and say, that's a Christian. You don't have to tell them. You know, back in the 70s, I guess it was, disco was all the craze. Was it the 80s? Oh, I guess it was Southern Rock in the 70s. I can't remember, but I remember I was like 12 or 13 in that range or something. And disco was, you know, Donna Summer and all that stuff. Disco balls and lights and the whole get up. You know, I had mine. (laughs) I lived in Whitehaven up in Memphis and they had uh, opened a teenage Disco. They didn't serve alcohol or anything, but you paid a cover charge, you know, and you went in there and they served you Coke, but they had the, they had the dance floor and they had the big ball shining all over the place and they had the music just to pumping. And I, I remember walking up in there, I was decked out, I had my bell bottoms, you know, you had to have bell bottoms. And you could have bell bottoms and still not be cool if they didn't cover your whole foot. And that was difficult for me because I wear size 14. But I, nevertheless, I had found some that covered my whole foot. And I had me a big old belt buckle that said, Guy, <laughs> in brass right there, you know. And you wasn't cool back in them days if you wasn't wearing silk. All the shirts were silk. And I had mine and had moons and stars and rocket ships blasting off and everything. And you still wasn't cool if you didn't unbutton that thing way down to about right here. And have you some kind of fake gold necklace or something on. My neck be turning all green and stuff, you know, while I was dancing out there sweating. I couldn't afford real cold. You know, I, I never considered myself much of a dancer. I probably hadn't danced two or three times since those days. But back in those days, I was doing the electric slide and the bump. And I was doing it all, you know what I'm saying? And I was doing my, I was trying to dance. I was trying to get some rhythm, you know. It didn't take long to figure out I was into disco. But you know what I'm into right now? I'm into Christ. And I hope it don't take you long to figure that out. I hope my face shines with the glory of God. I hope that everything about my life points you to Jesus. I want to be into Christ. Romans 13, 14 says that we should put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, how do you put on Christ? Well, you just sneak up there on the inside of him and do everything he does. What is it? He's like the, the hand in your glove, or and vice versa. You just put on Christ. All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Amen. Have you looked through the New Testament recently and seen all the scriptures that, that finish within Christ? All the promises in God, in Christ. That's the place to be. That's what to put on. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, is that Exodus 23:2 says, you must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. You see, there's a wide path that leads to destruction, and there's a lot of folks on it. The crowd is on the path. If you're going to follow the crowd, you're going the wrong way. Let me just tell you. You can't ride two donkeys with one butt. (laughs) You're going to have to determine today whether you're going to follow the crowd or you're going to follow Jesus. You can't do both. I know some of us holding on to the middle as much as we can. But you're just clouding your your witness for Jesus, and it ain't going to work like that. You're going to have to decide which road you're going to go. You know, Jesus has a turnaround package for us and for you. And his turnaround package is loaded with special features. I wrote down a few. I thought to myself, in our turnaround vehicle, we have an automatic hotline to heaven. It's called prayer. We have a navigation system which is called the B I B L E. We have an own star, onboard personal guidance system within us called the Holy Spirit. And we have this vehicle preloaded with traveling companions called our fellow disciples, the church. We have everything we need for the turnaround. We just gotta get in. The turnaround vehicle. Is this making sense to anybody? So we're starting a new series called "Led," Because why? Because all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. If you're not led by the Spirit of God, then you're none of His, he said. That's pretty serious. You own the wrong donkey. But that's Okay. We can switch today, we can God said choose this day whom you're going to serve. You want blessing or cursing? You want life or death? You want your strength or mine? Choose this day whom you're going to serve. We can make a decision today, as for me and my house we will serve the Lord. So we're going to talk about prayer, we're going to focus on our hotline to heaven and They asked Jesus, you know, about prayer. And I think what he says probably should be where we start. What do you think? (laughs) If Jesus had a word on prayer, I think that's where we should begin. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. How many of you learned what we call the Lord's Prayer when you were young? How many of you could quote it with me? Well, let's do it. Let's see. I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. It's a little different. I learned it in the King James. But I'm going to read it along with you, and we're going to have it on the board here. In verse 9, I'm going to read this part, and then we're going to say the prayer together. In this manner, Jesus said, therefore pray. He said, this is the way we're going to pray. Now, he's not saying that we're just going to quote these same words over and over and over, because he just got through before that talking about don't be like the heathens and think through their much repetition, they'll be heard. You know, they're just praying the same thing over and over. He's not saying this is the exact words that you got to pray. This is the only one you can pray. And some people live like that. They, they pray all these formula prayers, and they pray all these specific prayers. But have you ever thought about a relationship? If, if every time I talk to you, I said the same thing in the same way? I might be saying what I want to say, but that would be kind of awkward, wouldn't it? Do you understand that your prayer life with God is is conversation with God? He's saying these are the kind of things that that I would suggest that you pray. This is what you need to want. These are the things that will identify you as mine, that you want what I want. And so let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You see, that is just chock full of the premises, the the principles of God. These should be the desires of God. Of every card carrying Christian in the, in the room today. When we pray this, if we pray our Father, <laughs> that should just overwhelm us that we have the privilege of addressing God as Abba Father. That is, do you understand that that is the greatest privilege ever given to mankind, I believe? I mean, well, you could say it rivals being brought into the family of God. But because you've been brought into the family of God, we have the privilege of going before his throne of grace anytime, day or night. Don't have to have the right words. Don't. Can you imagine if I got all gussied up and I went and knocked on the White House door? I wouldn't even make it that far, would I? I'd probably have to go through three or four checkpoints to get to there. But say if I jumped the fence and I had a pocket full of cash and I was waving it around and said, let me in. I want to talk to the president. I'm still not talking to the president. There is nothing that I can do to talk to the president short of doing something stupid. I would probably have to go to one of those Meals where you got to pay $50,000 to attend or something like that. you got to be a rich person. And i still be sitting across the room from him. Still wouldn't get to talk to him. And that's just the President of the United States. But I can come boldly to the throne of God. Anytime, day or night. When my soul is troubled, I can step over into a place of peace. When I'm worn out, life ain't fun, and His presence is fullness of joy. Everything that I need that pertains to life and godliness, I find immediately available to me in a time of prayer. I can go before God Almighty, the Creator of heaven and the earth. That is just unbelievable. So when I say our Father, That just, Abba. He's Abba to me. He listens to me. No, How how trivial I may sound to him, he listens to me. That is just beautiful. And when I say, hallowed be thy name, I understand that I'm saying, let my life worship you, God. Hallowed be your name. I live to bring glory to your name. That is getting my, what you call it, in order, my, somebody help me. Perspective perspective. in order, there you go. Perspective or essentials, my my priorities, there was the word I was looking for. (laughs) I'm getting my priorities in order that his glory. And all the glory to you. Do you know that most people live their life on that wide path trying to bring glory to themselves? That's what, they're th- that's what they're doing over there. I want somebody to see me. I want somebody to respect me. I want somebody to pay me. Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. <laughs> I want this to be about me. But over here on the narrow road on the different donkey it's like Hallowed be your name. And I'm going to tell you, I've been on both roads. But this one over here is just a lot easier. I can take that pressure off of myself. God knows me. He knows my frame. And what, the, the quicker I realize my inability, and my inadequacy to bring glory to myself, the quicker I can relax and bring glory to God. Does that make any sense to anybody? Hallowed be your name. When we say your kingdom come, your will be done, it's saying my heart seeks your ways. I trust that your way is better than my way. I want you on the throne of my life. I've seen the damage that I can do. When we say give us this day our daily bread, I'm saying I trust you, God. You got me. I'm not going to sit and worry about the bills. that ain't, It ain't even the end of the month yet. I ain't worrying past today. I'm going to try not to worry about today. I trust you, God, for my daily bread. You're my sustenance, God. And when we say, forgive us our debts as we forgive, we're saying, I want to start each day with a clean slate. And when we say, lead us not into temptation, we say, I want to end each day on a clean slate. And when we say, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, we're saying, I know my role and I know yours. The Lord's Prayer details our desired destination. It's like putting on new clothes, a new understanding. It identifies us as Christians, as children of God. You know, Moses' face always shone with the glory of God. They didn't have to wonder was Moses, had Moses been in the presence of God, did they? And this was in the Old Testament. Why did his face shine that he had to put a veil, the people couldn't even look at him because of the glory of God was all over this man? Because he spent time with God. Moses was always in the temple praying. Moses climbed the mountain when nobody else wanted to go. Moses. Moses. Shown with the glory of God. And in 2 Corinthians 3, 7. God says, let me show you something even better. Let me show you something better than the glory that Moses shared with God. He says in verse 7, the old way, the laws etched in stone. The Old Testament, the law and the prophets. The law led to death. Through it. I mean, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, because Moses was the one that brought down the law. He had been up there with God to bring down the law. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we, he's talking to the New Testament church right now, he's talking to the church in Corinth. Shouldn't we expect greater glory under the new way? What's the new way? His name is Jesus. Shouldn't we expect greater glory under Jesus, the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? Now that we have not the glory only from an outside interaction, we have the glory from the inside out. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. Know ye not that you are temples. You are temples now of the Holy Spirit. I don't know, this is getting me excited. Maybe I'm in the wrong church. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? If the, the law just showed us our sin and our sinfulness and we couldn't keep it, then how much more glorious is it now that we have been forgiven and given the spirit back? Made, made right with God. I don't know if that meant to anything to you. Maybe you weren't as sinful as me when you got saved. Maybe you'd just always been one of those good moral people, came from a good moral family. You didn't have any, any st- skeletons at all in your closet. And maybe when you got born again, that wasn't such a big thing to be forgiven. But to me, yes, to have my sin debt taken off my shoulders, I could breathe for the first time. It was weighing me down. It was, it was, it was overcoming me. I didn't even want to live anymore with, if this, this is all there is. If me carrying this load of disgusting things that I've done and thought. And then God came in and washed me white as snow with the blood of Jesus and took away my sins and brought me into the family of God and filled me with His Holy Spirit and made me a light to the world. Oh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I almost feel like I've had dreams since then that I can do this and start flying. I have actually been in my, when I first got saved, I would go into my, I don't know where this is come from, but my bathroom, we had a big bathroom, and I would put towels under the door, and it had no windows in there, and I didn't want any light whatsoever, and I would get in there, I would worship God, and sometimes I couldn't tell if I, my feet were still on the ground. I would be in worship, and the spirit of God just waves of His glory washing over me. I don't know if you've ever had a spiritual encounter like that, but it's available to those who will get on their knees and they will praise God and pray with to God, and cry out and seek Him. He said, "If you'll seek Me, you'll find Me." Yes. He's not hiding, except from those who don't want Him. But if you will seek Him. You will find him. And I, sometimes I couldn't tell if my feet were still on the ground. I, 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 I remember one time in particular, the day I got filled with the Holy Ghost and with the evidence of speaking in new tongues. And I felt like I was on the ceiling. I felt like my head was bumping on the ceiling up there. I, don't, I couldn't tell because I was in the dark. I don't know where, I get, where all that came from, but this new way is glorious. And it's available. We can't lose sight. Of the privilege of prayer. Communing. With the creator. How much more glorious is the new way. Which makes us right with God. In fact that glory was not glorious at all. In fact the first glory was not glorious at all. Compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way. Which has been replaced was glorious. How much More glorious is the new and it remains forever. It remains forever. It's just gonna get more intense. It can get more intense this year for us. And I know one day soon he's gonna come back and get us. He's gonna break those clouds and come and say, come up hither and I'm we're gonna see him face to face and it's all gonna be on like Donkey Kong that day. It's going to all be over. All the cares and the worries and all the things that's been dragging us down to this, this planet Earth, this gravity and all this stuff, it's gone. Forever. No worries. No cares. When we see him face to face. But I don't want to wait till then to have my share down here. What about you? I want to live in the new glorious way that he has provided for those who love him. It's available. So how often should we pray, Pastor? Twice a week, you're saying? (laughs) 1 Corinthians 5, 17, says, never stop praying. Pray without ceasing, the King James says. Just keep on praying. You say, I can't do that all the time. You'd be surprised if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, with your... With your uh, private prayer language, and pray you can pray in the natural, pray in the spirit, sing in the natural, sing in the spirit. Man, you can do both. That, that'll just keep stirring you up, stirring you up. You can always be in an attitude of prayer. About everything. I often say this, and I'll say it again, because that's the way I do. You can be walking around, I used to be walking around talking to myself. Hmm, what am I going to do? Man, I'm in trouble now. What am I going to do? Now, I say, God, I'm in trouble. What are you (laughs) going to do? What are you going to do, God? Uh, How are we going to fix this? (laughs) I got somebody to talk to. I don't look so silly. Well, I still look silly to other people. But I don't feel so silly because now I know that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of me. And I got somebody to pray to so I can pray all the time. He's with me. In fact, it's a little insulting to somebody who's with you that you never talk to. How many of you filled with the Holy Ghost, and you never talk to the Holy Spirit? See, we we have a a stiff neck to the things we don't understand, don't we? Some of us just deny the Holy Spirit even lives in us because it's easier to not believe in spiritual things. Well, I just I I gotta see it to believe. It. Okay, Thomas. Okay. But Jesus said, blessed is he who is not seen but believed. Because we can't see the spiritual realm doesn't mean it doesn't exist. and We can't enjoy the Holy Ghost. So should we pray for small stuff? I mean, should we bother God with my bunions? Or should I bother God with this? Or? Pray about everything. Pray about it. Well, I guess it matters. James 4, 2 says you have not because you ask not. Is it important to you? It's important to God. You think God's just up there. Man, my calendars are so busy. This guy keeps asking me for little stuff. I'm not going to be able to get to that until the week after Tuesday. No. He's everywhere all at once. Omnipotent, all powerful, all knowing, all seeing. He can do everything all at once. Don't, Don't limit the power of God. Let him work. He wants to be involved in everything in your life. now I'm going to talk about something called praying for others. That may be a new concept that I'm unleashing on the church today. Because I know we all got our laundry list of things that we need, and that's what we, we repeat to God all the time. But what if we dared to pray for other people? And I believe the principle is, is if you'll be used as a conduit for God, you'll get wet too. I believe the things that you pray for others will come back on you. I believe, in fact, I believe if we stopped praying about ourselves all the time, started praying for others, we wouldn't need to pray for ourselves all the time. I believe if you get busy about God's business, He'll get busy about your business. So why don't we learn to pray for one another? There's a lot of one another's in the Bible too you might notice. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. Paul's praying for the church in Colossae. He says, "We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you a complete knowledge of his will, to give you spiritual under- wisdom and understanding." He's praying these things. He could pray it for himself, I'm sure he does. But he said, I want you to to have spiritual wisdom and understanding too. And then in Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 16, in the message paraphrase, I just like the way it puts it. It's not the Bible, but it's a paraphrase of the Bible. It says, he's praying for the church in Ephesus. He says, I ask, ask the God, Ask the God of our maker, Jesus Christ, the God of glory. To make you intelligent and discerning. Now now understand, if you're praying this for somebody else, what's he going to do? Come back on you, I believe. To make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. To grasp the immensity. Of this glorious way of life that he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust in him. Endless energy and boundless strength. How many could use some endless energy and boundless strength? How many could use the focus of knowing what his calling is in this life? That the eyes of our understanding might be enlightened and we may know. How many of you just going through life? I think I know God's calling, but I'm not sure. I don't know. Really, I don't know. I don't hear God's voice. You know, part of prayer is listening for God's voice. You don't read God's word to His his instruction book for life, and you don't pray and you don't listen. But you can. And when we pray for others to get that understanding, we start getting revelation in our lives. Do you need endless energy and boundless strength? Do you want to grasp the immenseness of this new glorious way of life down here on earth? Are we supposed to just be worn out, just getting through fleshly Christians? Oh, praise God, that day's coming. Oh, won't it be wonderful then? Well, how about it be wonderful now? My understanding is when I got saved, that's the day eternal life began in me. It's not, well, we're going to get you when you get here. No, it's now. Now, we see through a glass darkly. It ain't as good. It's a down payment. The Holy Spirit is a down payment he sealed us until the day of full redemption, you understand. There's another enemy down here called death. But once we step through that door of death, well, it's all done. It's all done. There's no more enemy. Joe, you're getting excited. <laughs> Woo! I'm glad somebody is. Do you want to be led? Mm, I do. I want to know the immenseness of this. Glorious way of life he has for his followers. I think some of us is just a little worn out. Proper English might say worn out, but I say ward. Some of us is worn out, you see. But I feel the refreshing and the turnaround coming. I feel it coming. I'm starting to get excited. Prayer warriors... Stand in the gap. There's an old legend of a lone Viking who stood at, the, at a bridge called the Stanford Bridge and behind him, his troops. They weren't in any shape to win this battle and the Saxon army was coming to get them. But the only way to get to them was across this bridge and this lone Viking Stood in the gap of that bridge and fought off those Saxons. They would have to come through one at a time, and he'd kill them one at a time. And then they'd, he'd drag them off, and the next one, try. they couldn't get through as a group, so he would stand in the gap and whoop them. Now, I can imagine the Saxon army radioing back to headquarters. I, I'm sure they didn't have radios, but if they could, I could. You know, we're trying to get over there. I think we got them, but there's this one crazy cat sitting in the front of, at the bridge, and we can't get across. How are we going to get to them? Do you know it used to be considered a great honor for a warrior to, like, say, if, if your city's being besieged and they, they break down a section of wall, for that warrior to stand in that gap and fight off the enemy to protect his loved ones and his crew? It used to be a, considered a great honor to stand in the gap. And that's what praying for other people and praying for the church of Jesus Christ does. It makes you a warrior, an honorable warrior who's willing to stand in the gap for the, those behind you, those that God has, has placed in your care. The disciples stood in the gap for Peter that night that he was in jail. And he was going to be executed the next morning. you remember that story? He was chained between two guards and he was... In the deepest part of the prison, they, I mean, they were watching him like a hawk. They had a whole guard watching this man. He's in chains in the prison, and he's going to be executed in the morning. But it says the church prayed earnestly. The church got down on their knees, and they prayed with their whole heart. Then an angel came and broke them chains off Peter's wrist, released him, put the, everybody asleep, I guess. Because Peter got up, Peter was in the middle of it and couldn't believe it was real. He thought he was dreaming. And the angel said, Come on, get your coat on, let's go. They walked through the prison doors and they would open up on their own. They walked out into the street and and finally the angel left and Peter realized, This is real. He couldn't even believe it, he was in it. That's the kind of thing God wants to do for you for others, he wants to do miracles. He's a miracle-working God, but he needs people to stand in the gap and believe him. He operates by faith. But you know the sad part of that story, right before that, that chapter, I think it's Acts chapter 12, it says that the apostle James had been beheaded. What if the church had been standing in the gap for James. Maybe he wouldn't have had to die. Maybe he wouldn't have been beheaded. Maybe they learned from that that lesson and said, Hey, we got to pray. We can't let these. Our people get destroyed like this. And I look around and I see the church in America today. It's in tatters. But who's going to stand in the gap? Hadn't we learned from all the. Failure we've seen that somebody's going to have to get together and pray so that we can be the church without spot or wrinkle in this nation. In Ezekiel 22 verse 30, God said, "I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land." He's talking to Israel. You see, Israel had fallen into disrepute into sin. His chosen people, Israel, had turned their back on their God once again. Do you know, fleshly beings kind of go with the ebbs and flows. Sometimes they they trust God and sometimes they don't. And this was a time when Israel had lost their way. And God said, I'm looking for someone who might rebuild the walls of righteousness somebody who might stand up and say you know what, I'm going to live my life according to God's word I'm going to set an example for my children and for my grandchildren I'm not going to be one of those people that say you know, my sin doesn't matter, it only hurts me So, no, I understand that who I am has an effect on everybody that I know that my witness does matter especially to my own children they're watching us And God is saying, is there anybody that's going to stand up and live right and rebuild the walls of righteousness? I searched for someone to stand in the gap, in the wall, so that I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one. Is that going to be the story of America? America? 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, My people which are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and rebuild the wall of righteousness and they would pray, stand in the gap. Then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. But what if my people who are called by my name just say, Well, we're just happy being with the, the wide space over here, the, what they call the, the wide road. We're just happy kind of trying to ride two donkeys at once. then what happens if nobody's standing in the gap? Well, according, this is Old Testament, thank goodness for Jesus, but in verse 31 it says, so now I will pour out my fury on them, consuming them with the fire of my anger, and I will heap on their heads the full penalty, that's why I used to say it for the kids, I'm sorry, full penalty for their sins, I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. That sounds pretty serious. It sounds like to me that God himself is saying, if somebody would have just prayed, I wouldn't have to pour out my fury on the land. If somebody would have just said, hey, I'm going to act right. You know, I think it's we're all looking for somebody else to do it. We all expect that somebody else is going to do it. And so nobody's doing it. But God doesn't work like that. He can use one man to stand in the gap and save a nation. But he needs somebody who's willing to act right and to pray. And what if he finds a people that will stand in the gap for this nation, will stand in the gap for the church in this nation? You still laughing because I said penalty? She said she used to be in my youth group, and I used to always say that word. I just, she's still laughing. <laughs> We're about to close. Calm down. I didn't preach myself happy today. Have you ever heard such a, a fun message about prayer? Only God could do that. Mm. I mean, it's serious. But the upside just overshadows. We're we're not going to have to see the downside, are we? Because we're going to do what we're supposed to do. Prayer puts us in partnership with God. You remember when... The prophet Elijah had told King Ahab that it wasn't going to rain for three and a half years and he prayed and it didn't rain and then then God came to Elijah and said go tell Ahab that I'm going to send the rain so what does Elijah do God says it's going to happen it's fixing the rain well in in, uh, 1 Kings 18 42 it says but I mean the What most of us would do is say, oh, God said it. Okay, cool. But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. He bowed low to the ground and placed his face between his knees and did what? He He prayed. You say, but if God says it, doesn't that settle it? You know, why would I still need to pray if God said it? Well, God wants to be in partnership with man. Somebody once said, somewhere along the lines something like this. I'm trying to pull it out of this nest up here. That God does nothing but, by, but yet in partnership through prayer with man. Something along those lines, right? When it, you know, Tom, you've heard that before. God never does anything with, without prayer. Why? He could. He doesn't need us. He's a gentleman, and and he he cares about our will. He gave us free will, and and we're made in his image. And he wants wants us to to have the joy of partnershiping with him so that we can have the joy of seeing things accomplished as well. He wants us to pray out things, even if he's promised it. And so Elijah prayed, and it rained. If he wouldn't have prayed, would it have rained? I don't want to know when I can pray. Are there promises God has made you in your life that haven't come to pass yet? Could it be that if you would climb the mountain of God You would bow down low and put your head between your knees. That you would pray, God, what He promised you, until it brings faith into your heart. God moves by faith. He's moved. The hand of God is moved by faith. You see, the promises of God are yes and amen. He says the yes, but you got to say the amen. You got to be amen is an agreement. With what has been spoken. And through prayer, we pray out the plan of God. God has a plan for this church. It's all over the place. But do you think it's just going to magically happen? We can be back. It'll be 2053. I'm coming up to the pulpit like this. (laughs) There's three snaggletooth old ladies still out there. Somebody hit me. God's not in a hurry unless you are. He's looking for somebody to stand in the gap, somebody to pray, somebody to partnership with Him. It's an immense privilege for children of God to be involved in the power of God being unleashed upon the earth. An immense (laughs) privilege. Can you imagine how those prayer warriors that come on Tuesday night are going to feel when they see all this begin to happen? We prayed. You remember, we used to get down in the trenches and we prayed and we cried out to God. There's going to be a different satisfaction for those prayer warriors who are praying for this to come to pass than those who just sit and wait for it to come to pass. There's going to be a different level of appreciation. What life makes impossible, prayer makes possible. What is it in your life that seems impossible? You know, Joshua was in the middle of a battle. And he wanted to finish off the enemy, but it was getting dark. And so one man prayed to God and said, Can you stop the sun so that we can finish the battle? And God took the earth that was on its rotating axis and said, and held it still for an entire day. And it stayed daylight for a whole nother day before he let it go and the earth began to spin again. One man's prayer. Hezekiah the king There's a messenger from God came and told him that he was about to die. Get your affairs in order. But Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and he cried out, God, please. And God sent that same messenger back and said, all right, you got 15 more years. What if he wouldn't have prayed? Prayer opens barren wombs. Restores life to dreams long ago aborted. There's things that God put in your heart long ago you you forgot about. But He ain't. He's still waiting on you to climb that mountain. To bow down and put your head between your knees and pray. The good thing about it is, there ain't no time limit on prayer. Just get to it. Just get to it. Just be- the people on the wide path, they're just trusting themselves. I gotta make it happen. I gotta make it happen. I gotta make it happen. What do I do to make it happen? People over here. Chill out, man. God's got it. Let's just bow down and pray and trust God. You're gonna trust yourself or you trust God. Well, prayer is an act of faith. All things are possible. To him who believes. Prayer strengthens the relationship with God, you see. How can two agree unless... How can two walk together unless they be agreed? When you walk with God, you begin to agree with God. Your heart begins to trust God like never before. You begin to see His hand at work in your life. Ain't that right, Kaylee? Wonderful testimony you shared with me this week. Of God showing up and showing out. And the more you see God, the more God conscious you are, the more you see His work in your life, the more faith you have for bigger things. People don't get to be faith giants just overnight by one prayer, they get to be faith giants through a life on their knees. Who was it? One of the apostles, they called him Old Camel Knees because he stayed on his knees so bad that his knees was all tore up. Looked like he had leather knees. I'm telling you, prayer is is the clothing of a child of God. Clothe yourself in prayer. Bathe yourself in the presence of God. You know, faith is a prerequisite for this turnaround that we're believing for. We've got to have faith to believe it. Y'all ready to quit? I am. Are you at the Red Sea of impossibility in your life? You say, there ain't no, there ain't no way it's ever going to work out for me. I'm too old. I haven't been down this mountain. I don't have any money. I don't have this. My family's not connected. I'll never, you know, I want to serve at the church, but I don't feel like I have anything to give. I don't feel, I don't recognize any gifts in me. I don't thank God. He must have forgot about me. That's not true. That's not true. The Israelites looked out this way and they saw the Egyptian army bearing down on them to kill them. And they looked this way and they saw the Red Sea. And they thought they were between a rock and a hard place. It's over. It's over. But Sometimes you got to You've got to stop gawking at the enemy, first of all. If you want to turn around, turn around from looking at what the enemy's doing and turn around and look what God's about to do. Amen. Stop looking at the natural. While we don't look to the things which can be seen, the Bible says, but we look at the things of the Spirit which cannot be seen, which are eternal in the heavens. They're the real deal. Our God is the real deal, and he'll, he'll make a way where there is no way. And you know what? It don't matter if you don't feel like you're gifted, or you, you're influential, or you have money or pedigree or any things that the world considers important. The only thing that matters is, I'm his. And when I put myself in His hands, I'm good. You know, I don't have to perform. My life is not a performance to get His approval. I'm His. I'm already accepted in the Beloved. What I do from here is just a life of gratitude spilling over. And anything that I accomplish, I want, it to, be, I want it to be able to say it was him and not me. I want to be able to say, look what the Lord has done. He parted the sea. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's word.